1: No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Oh yeah, that music can mean only one thing, and that mm-hmm. is uh, it's time for the Weekly edition of Drive Through HR. This is Robin Schooling, one of your hosts, and uh, my, my co host Mike Vanderbord is on the line. Hello, Mike. Hey, Robin. Um, how are you doing? It's been a while. I,
2: I was joking in the pre show, but I almost forgot how to log in and do one of these shows. So,
1: uh,
2: <laughs> randomly back, might disappear again for a couple of weeks because I'm in a really busy stretch for work, but uh, doing well overall.
1: Well, I, I'm I'm glad to have you back because the one thing I've discovered is I think when we're both not doing it, we tend to run into technical difficulties too. So yeah. it, it it truly does take a village. It truly takes a village. Oh, man. Well, and, and before we uh, – that was kind of actually a nice little segue because it allows us to, right off the top, give thanks to our sponsor because our sponsor is Q – and one of the things <laughs> that's keeping you so busy is getting ready for the Q conference so
2: that, it's, that, everybody understands right. that we have, a, we have a conference in uh we have a conference in Atlanta just down the street from my house actually um it on May 5th so yeah like tw- well, slightly more than 3 weeks away so it's really busy mm. right now yeah mm-hmm. so anyway I'll, I'll just i'm rusty so jump on and let's bring our guests on <laughs> <huh>? <laughs>
1: Well, I I'm glad you're here because uh looking forward to this chat with, with our guests this week. So our guest is Anthony Anesto. Hello, Anthony.
0: Hey Robin, hey Mike. How are you guys? Hi, you, Anthony? Good. We are Doing good. Well. We
1: are good. So cool. so so kick us off. Mm-hmm. This is this is the part where we're truly like you know, it's like an HR interview because we ask you <laughs> to uh, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Let our listeners know. Who you are, what your story
0: sure. is, what you've done, what you're doing. Sounds good. Do you want my strengths and my weaknesses? Do you want my MBTI profile? <laughs> what, what What do you What do you need? Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So as you said, my name is Anthony Onesto. I have been in HR for a long, long time. Actually, the gray hairs on my on my head actually show uh, show the, the the amount of time I've been in HR. I've, Done the dot com boom many years ago. I'm based here in New York City, born and born and raised here in New York. You know, I like to call myself oh, a middle class sure. kid from Brooklyn, um, and sort of been in the HR space, mostly dealing with startups and doing that for for a long period of time. Uh, jumped out of that a little bit um, over the last couple of years. Got on the what I like to call the quote unquote business side uh, of of a startup where I was leading a learning development startup called SmartUp, and really understood, you know, maybe some of that HR stuff is kind of BS <laughs> if you're on the <laughs> if you're on the business side. Uh, and sort of jump back in, jump back into to HR recently with an, with another startup called Suzy, which is a uh, it's a SaaS platform here in New York. We're kind of we're not kind of we're disrupting the old stodgy market research space and giving real-time consumer in- insights to brands and they can ask questions and literally get 500 responses and just fantastic growth. And uh, yeah, so uh, just, just doing that and doing a bunch of side projects, uh, you know, if I have time with three kids and so uh, doing yeah. well. Yeah.
1: I, uh, I love the name Susie because Susie has always been like my go-to HR name. You know, Suzy Employee said, or Suzy HR <laughs> said. I would, I would love to work in a place called Suzy. <laughs> now, <laughs> another, thing, uh, another thing that you do is um, you also have a podcast radio show, which I find fascinating because it is New York HR focused. What makes HR in New York different, unique,
0: yeah, that's uh it's it's actually um, and I am going to I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to school the school in um, it's, ooh, ooh. it's New York it's York so there's an <laughs> a and true. a w in there right so when you come up next time we'll we'll give you a little lesson there but it's New York HR um and yeah I mean listen it's it's as different as New York is you know um we we deal we're not we're not Silicon Valley here I mean we're we just got rated about I think a couple of months ago the best tech city in in the world which you know we've been the sort of city uh to silicon valley for for many years so um so you know what's different i mean everything you know you think about um what's the the beauty of new york particularly for companies is is the fact that we have five boroughs we have um we have different areas so you have such a level of diversity here in talent um yeah. that i don't think you get anywhere else i mean if you see a lot of the writings that are happening now about the valley and other places you know there's just this lack of diversity and i think the beauty of new york um it brings that diversity. And so with that, it brings, you know, the challenges that come with that from an HR Mm -hmm. perspective. Um, And you're dealing by the way, with New Yorkers, you know, like these people don't (laughs) deal with bullshit, you know, like it's, if your Mm -hmm. manual is 90 pages, cut it down to three, like, let's get it. We're too busy. (laughs) Let's get stuff done, you know? So uh, it's it. There's there's a multitude of differences. I mean, listen, humans are humans, and, and you, you, that's all over the world, right? You can. You, there's definitely commonalities, yeah. but New Yorkers are definitely a special breed, and that's why we love them. Hmm.
1: <laughs> now, one of the um, one of the things that you said before, um, which which I know is. Uh, a thought near and dear to your heart is this whole concept of people from the outside looking in on the business side of the business looking in think that HR is crap half the times. Um, what are we coming up with? You know why are we why are we making our managers our employees jump through hoops? What you know when you look back over that time where you did that transition? In, into it you know out of and then back into HR what what did you discard forever what did you say I am not bringing back into my next
0: HR shop um, wow Do we, we only have 30 minutes um, <laughs> so, uh, no I mean I, I kid um, one that everyone talks about right now is performance reviews, right? Like, like that was the biggest one. I think we've, you know, throughout my career as an HR person, as an HR generalist, sort of taking orders, um, you know, from HR leadership that had traditional backgrounds. You know, the performance review, the yearly thing where everyone, everyone would go through, um, and everyone would hate, and it would take weeks to get mm-hmm. performance reviews back. And then if you added 360, it took you know five years to get those back and everyone (laughs) hated it and and in fact it it was shown to to lower productivity like that kind of stuff like the obvious stuff that we were just why were we doing that like why like i think and hr folks are smart you know they're they understand like they're at you know the beauty of the the hr role the people role or whatever you want to call it is the ability to see across the organization like you have inputs like the head of sales only yeah. sees sales and maybe touches marketing but HR you see everything so these are smart people and I don't understand why some of the stuff was just done so performance reviews was one, you know, I I think I took a very hard look at learning and development. Um, You know, again, I feel like, you know, if you look at some of the lists of HR things that that have been, you know, built within programs or just sort of the traditional stuff, it it kind of felt like a checkmark. Like, hey, we, you know, you know, I I feel like in some cases diversity and inclusion has that sort of checkmark. I like to call it diversity theater. Uh, where we're kind of like, oh, okay, <laughs> we're done and let's move on. You know, it's it, and mm-hmm. some of that stuff. Yeah. So, really, learning, like learning and development to me was the big piece because I think, you know, and it, it's these are for me low hanging fruit because there's just a, a hell of a lot of dissatisfaction from an employee perspective. Managers don't feel like their employees are getting upskilled. We're spending a ton of money on learning and development platforms. So, that's just two. I mean, we can riff on that forever, yeah. but those are the two easy ones. And I said, we're going to, we're going to stop doing that, right? If you had stopped doing these performance reviews, just stop. Like everyone was like, "Well, what do you put in place?" But the fact of the matter is, if you just stop them, it would increase productivity. If you took if you took the yeah. research and just applied it, it would like just stop it, and it would actually help your business increase productivity. So, uh, so yeah, those are some of the things. I mean, recruiting we can we can we can rip on that too, right? Like the the ability mm-hmm. to find talent is another area. So there, there's a bunch of it. I think some of the there's some standard HR like benefits. That's another area that has zero innovation happening within within that space. And I think a lot of it has to do with regulatory issues and, and laws that that require you to do certain things. But I, I think you can right. sort of be very inventive in that space, and no one really has. Um, so yeah, I, I, a bunch uh, a bunch of different things.
2: Um. Anthony, this is a tangential question, but since you talked talking about um, you know New York HR for a second there, um, something that I was paying a lot of attention to was the the recent you know Amazon headquarters two thing that happened in Queens. Um, what what was that? Is was I mean I guess what I'm curious about is what's the reaction of someone who lives in New York to that? Was that a was that a the outcome... Good, bad. I know there was
0: a certain group, you know, in Queens that protested it, but I wondered about New York at large. Yeah, that's a great question. Could you just define tangential for me, so I know what the hell you're talking no. okay. <laughs> about? I'm, go- I'm taking a <laughs> Don't use big words with me. Uh, this yeah. is I'm a middle class kid from New York, man. Uh, yeah. No, all good. I, I got. I looked it up on on Google. We're we're good. Um, <laughs> Google. <it>. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I think, you know, I- I'm going to take this from three different points of view. First is, as the head of HR for a growing technology company, I say, thank God Amazon is not here. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, as huh? I think about trying, you know, it's, it is hard enough at record unemployment to find a back-end .NET engineer for a company like Susie in New York City. That having to sort of raise a, a C round solely just to pay that individual. Uh, so sure. it's crazy, sure. crazy amount of money. And, and that's why we're exploring and we've, we've built uh, hubs in, in North Carolina, a little bit closer to where you are Mike and and yep. uh, and, and where Robin is and, and we're, we're actually expanding into Alabama. we have a bunch of stuff happening there, oh. so exciting stuff so it's kind of like the Steve case uh, one of our board members is Chris Moody working on this idea of expanding out but uh, but I know we're talking about New York so from that perspective HR perspective although it does make it you know uh, make it more attractive for people to come here. Um, it's obviously a competition and, and it increases competition yeah. from, from a, from a, yeah. uh, a citizen perspective. Um, I think it was a mess. And I, and I, I was part of Fresh Direct's expansion years ago and we were, um, I, I don't think a lot of, of, of the folks locally um, in government really understood what was happening and what the incentives were about. So when I was at Fresh Direct, we, we received and we're going back into um I forgot the governor's name. It was a long time ago in 2001 uh, when we received go- uh, government grants from the state of New York to do training and development. So every time we hired somebody at Fresh Direct, we were able to get um, a-, a grant for training and development, and then we got tax incentives, right? Um, yep. So it wasn't mm-hmm. some of it was hard money, some of it was soft money, as I say. Um, So I think that a lot of that was missed Um, and it could have been, you know, I don't know the inside track of how it was happening, but it's, it seemed like some people were either railroaded or went around. And that's not Mm. always good when you're dealing with city council. Um, And the third part is just, you know, from, from a a tech enthusiast, I I think it's a miss for New York. Um, But I, you know, the next big tech company, Google, has expanded its presence here. Apple's expanding its presence here. So we we have enough of the big technology folks um, to to come in here. We you know, we don't have the best basketball team. Um, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed this year we get Zion from from Duke. But um, but yeah. So it, from those perspectives, it was you know it, it teetered behind you know utter disappointment. To thank goodness from a from an HR perspective. Interesting. Yeah.
2: Okay. Thanks. Thanks.
0: Yeah. 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 Sure.
1: So now, um, as we're, you can tell this is a this is a conversational radio show because we just go from one topic to the next. Um, I love it. But one of the things that we, you know, when we kind of talked about getting you on the show, was focusing on skills for the future, and specifically HR skills for the future. So we referenced actually a, a good summary report, I hope folks that went to the website were able to take a look at it, because it, you know, it talked about, um, you know, yeah, all this stuff that we know is happening, the world is changing, you know, workplace is changing, you know, the digital uh, literacy and, and those sorts of things are important, but how does that play out for HR? What, and, and where is HR failing? That, again, this could be a show to itself, I think, but, um, <laughs> you know, how how do we get HR folks to upskill? Um, and I'm going to tell you my sort of my take on it to, to kick it off. Um, I think, and this could be true of any profession, but I certainly have seen it amongst my HR peers, there's this tendency to just sort of sit back, keep their head in the sand, um not all, but, you know, a fair no- a number of folks that will just say, you know, my, my company will take care of me or they'll tell me what I need to learn or they'll, they'll, they'll come up with, you know, what sort of training I need and they'll tell me when I need to upskill or learn, you know, new digital skills or dive into people analytics or whatever it may be. And so we have folks that have just been sitting on the sidelines and are still sitting on the sidelines, which I see as one of the problems. Right. Is that fair
0: to our HR folks. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I think there I I kind of pendulum swing on this. Um, I I go from one point where I feel like it's 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 on HR. I, I feel like it's, you know, there, there's a there's an analogy, the boiling frog analogy, right? So you put a frog in a pot of water and you yeah. turn the heat up and the frog will adapt and. Adapt to the point where it will uh, it will boil itself to death, right? And I feel like there's this there's some of that, if not majority of that, happening in human resources. Where I am comfortable, I am comfortable. Listen, this is this is the same profession that did performance reviews for 20 years and, and knowing full well everyone hated it like, you know, it's, and then it actually didn't increase productivity. There was no proof of that, right? So and, and right. part of, part of what I think we need to do is this, this, I call it this combination of, of heart, and I like to sort of um, bold the art part of the heart, but heart and science, right? So let's continue mm-hmm. with the heart piece. Like, I, I think part of the trouble with HR has been very regulatory focused. I think knowing the local COBRA laws, uh, you know, the the state, you know, uh, laws around, uh, sorry, the, the federal laws around COBRA, and then the state laws around leave and all that stuff is an important information for someone who just wants to regurgitate information. But really, uh-huh. you know, to think about how to build experiences for your employees, taking more of a creative aspect, I think that's, to me, that's where I fundamentally think we need to, to to put the heart into it. Let's bring heart back into human resources. Why people join is to the sort of the people part of it, and then the science yeah. part. I think we all, you know. Um, Andrew McAfee wrote a great book, uh, a, a couple of different books, Racing Against the Machines. It's this whole idea of humans versus machines and what's going to happen. And at the end of it, it's like, you know, it's man and machine is more powerful than machine by itself and man by itself. But he talks a lot about, you know, the, the world needing to get geekier. And and I mean that with with clarity. I, I, I want to be a geek. Um, And so the idea is bringing science into this. So what's working, you know, if we, if we had run an analysis on performance reviews, and I'm picking on performance reviews, because it's so damn easy, but, uh, and Mm -hmm. and saw that there was no productivity gain, then why, you know, stop, stop doing it. That's the other thing is like, why are we fearing, like, if we just stop, stuff? like, you're not going to have a mass walkout of employees going, no, we (laughs) want performance reviews, and they have their picket lines, and they're going, you know, whatever. So, um there there's some easy stuff here and i think just hr is boxed into you know in 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 an article blog article i'm writing on this topic that hopefully will get published soon i I, the idea is like you know it's not thinking outside the box it's burning the damn box you know like let's let's reboot here and really try to figure this out and understand what are the skill sets that are that are needed i think there is like i said the heart piece of it if you think about you know, the best brands in the world, like Apple, or, you know, the best experiences in the world, like Ritz, certain things that happen in those brands, from an experience perspective, that that Mm tugs at your heart. So that's sort of the heart, Mm -hmm. um, ART part of it. And I think, I think current HR people, you know, and I'm going to be broadly, this is a broad stroke here, because I I don't mean this for every HR person, but you know, creative skills aren't, that's not number one on the job description for your HR generalist is like creativity, but maybe that should be like, let's start, mm-hmm. maybe we should bring designers into HR, not designers that'll, you know, pick colors, but designers that will help you think about building experiences. So that way, when that employee mm-hmm. walks into your office off of that elevator, do you have aromatherapy in your office? So, cause it's an experience, they come in here every day. Right. So it's like those kind of things. And I know those are like super tactical kind of kind of suggestions. But the whole idea is to really revamp the HR department and keep keep the people that really understand the FMLA. Those people are are super important. There is a a needed skill set, but don't make that the main skill set. Like when you hire an HR Mm -hmm. generalist, maybe that's the last bullet and maybe it's not so much required. Maybe if they do a Google search on FMLA and read over a weekend, they could probably get a good idea of how it works. Um, and I yeah. and I tell you, I still don't know what the hell FMLA is all about. And I, you know, like <laughs> I'm still googling, I'm calling lawyers. It's like it's the, it's the worst. Uh, it's obviously a great benefit, but it's painful for HR people. So um, so yeah. So I mean, we can riff on and on on that. But uh, yeah. I would love your your thoughts on that. What do what you what are you folks seeing yeah. in terms um, of that future? It,
1: and um, before I give my thoughts, I'm just going to do a quick little reset here. We've got, believe it or not, only about nine minutes left, but. But we're good to go. Um so I I think you're absolutely right. I think um I think creativity and um looking at things through a different prism is is key. Um what I find interesting about it is you see that creativity, uh again here we're using a broad broad brush of this entire thing. But I think I see creativity on two opposite ends of the spectrum. I see That creativity, you know, large enterprises, okay, here's a Google, here's a whatever, um, and or small startups, especially in certain types of industries. But you can't just say small businesses across the board because where I see a lot of the least creative HR or the lack of heart, uh, if you will, the most are in those small businesses that are – very traditional um, because they are just they are so stuck in the past or they are so stuck in the way they've always done things, and that comes right down to who the who the, the the owner is or the senior leadership team or whoever you know what they expect from HR if they're not informed because they're working in this sort of traditional sort of industry or whatever they're they're not going to expect or want that of their HR leader or their Hr team either. So sometimes HR people who who chafe at the lack of change or lack of creativity are stifled by what they're hired to do or what their that that small scrappy business will even let them do. Sometimes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would, I would. Sorry, good. No, go ahead. I I so I'm of two minds of that. I, first is I those HR people that are looking at that job description for that small business um you can tell you know you can tell everything in a job description and that's a whole nother riff by the way like we, oh, yeah. We should completely, oh yeah we should i mean that's another area that has zero change in it over the last 20 years like we completely need to refocus and, and re- redesign those but that's for next next show um But they look (laughs) at that that job description, and they go in that interview, and they know exactly what they're getting into, right? So then it becomes more of an economic thing for them. Like, I need a job. I'm going to take a job versus being selective. I think if we – but I agree. I think it it does – having a CEO that is complete – even – small large business even startups like if you don't have a ceo and i'm blessed to have matt Brinton, who's our ceo of suzy um he's just like yeah culture is important hr is important i want you to think mm-hmm. differently he talks about millennials and experiences like he's on the forefront of these things and so for me it makes my job so much easier so i completely agree with you but i think as an HR, that's that to me sounds like a cop-out like oh i am part of this organization and i can't do it mm-hmm. I, I that bs i'm gonna go i'm gonna call bullshit on that so i i told you i was going to curse twice um hey, I, i'm calling works. bs on that like you can be disruptive you can advise that ceo or that small business owner to say listen yeah and at the small business level you are doing a lot of tactical hr stuff but even in the startup i'm still doing benefit enrollments and things of that nature because you're just doing yep. it you're scrappy you have to figure that stuff out but um but to me it's like uh, then there needs to be an HR person that's leading the charge for the small business. Like you can, maybe you work in that business opinion. So be the opinion for that small business and and try to be that person that helps these folks sort of bring in diversity, bring in different programs, things like that, where it's non-traditional, but it does have, there's correlation. And then the other thing is the science part of the equation, which is show that small business owner that if he hires a bunch of folks from different backgrounds, that there's actually proof there's business impact. Like, look, I can yeah. increase the amount of revenue and productivity in your company, which eventually gets you profits, which gets your kid to, into college, and you could buy that Maserati that you've been always looking for. So, like, make it, yeah. make it sort of. What What are they interested in? What are their motivating factors? And sort of trail back from that. But Mike, you were going to say something. Sorry.
2: Yeah. I, so, my I work in I work in labor and employee relations arena primarily, and. There's, like, a lot of things, like, like, and, like, labor unions are, you know, that's old school stuff, but there is a ton of other things that affect HR directly or that affect companies directly or indirectly, and a lot of it falls into what I think is kind of a newly evolving HR responsibility, if not necessarily competency, and an example of that is, like, recently in Mexico, you know, there's all the trade talk, Paris, all that stuff. Set that aside for a minute. The newly elected president, uh, one of the first things they did was raise the minimum wage for most employees in Mexico, and I think it was doubled, if, if I remember what I read correctly. And that immediately launched a two- or three-week strike work stoppage in the, the border McTilladora plant, um, Juarez and, and, and others. And nine, there were like ninety-five U.S. based suppliers who all of a sudden their workforce in Mexico is on strike, and they provide a lot of components, right? Um, nobody thought that the, I guess in the in Mexico, nobody thought the minimum wage going up was going to affect them that way, and so the HR was hmm. totally blindsided by that. The other thing that's hmm. going on is you know the, the kind of the the activists, not unions anymore; it's activist people who want pressure companies or in like in Google's case or Microsoft's case where employees are sort of rising up around issues of the way the company is doing business. So there's, you know, I'm, I could, we could do a couple shows from that probably and I'm not sure I'm stating it as, as uh, artfully as I'd like to, but there are a lot of things changing that HR typically doesn't keep its eye on from a political and business trend point of view Mm -hmm. around those kind of issues. And you really need to be, especially if you're in a larger company versus what you just talked about, Robin, the smaller side. So that's that's kind of what I'm seeing a lot of right now.
1: It's, it's the need, it's the need for HR to do, to be effective at doing the environmental scan. And, and Mm -hmm. that's, that's of all elements. Where again, I think traditionally, HR folks—and uh, again, you could probably pick on any other profession too—but HR folks have tended to uh, pat themselves on the back because they're constantly keeping an eye on oh, upcoming, very specific, you know, HR legislation or something that's coming in, and 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 we need to collectively be constantly looking at everything. What's happening? in, in politics, in society, in pop culture, in the environment, you know, what are all these, all these uh, trends that are going to impact, you know, holistically what we do.
0: Um,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I that's, love a, that. that's a key skill.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think you hit it right on the head. I think what, and again, this is, I, I think this is less of a, I hate HR Inc article uh, podcast. This is like, we right, love HR right. and like, we're shaking you and saying, hey, get wake up. Um, in that case, I think, you know, it's easy to know what FMLA, and I'm, again, picking on FMLA again, but it's easy, right? Like, you can Google it. It's black and white. It's the yes or no. In some cases, you know, obviously it, it becomes a little bit more complex, but it's easy to understand it. It's law. Versus thinking about what, what, what Michael was just talking about, that's hard. Like, mm-hmm. thinking about how the mm-hmm. impact of a government regulation will have on my employees and, and the human squishiness that happens with that, you don't know unless there's historical reference for something like that. But that's hard. Yeah. Like, creating a recruiting program to, to bring more women in uh, in tech is hard. Like, that's, that you have to be creative. It's not black and white. And I think that's where, you know, and, and, and we have to be honest, we don't have the skill sets in HR and we have to supplement them with folks that are doing that on a daily basis. Like your creative designers, creative directors, IDEO is a great example of, of folks that are doing things like that.
1: Yep. Well, that is a perfect thought for us to end with. And we're, we're down to about 20 seconds. So thank you so much, Anthony, for joining us on drive through HR and uh, let our audience know where they can connect with you or find you.
0: Oh, sure. Thank you for having me. Um, Easy enough is is always LinkedIn um, or, you know, Twitter at Anthony Onesto. I tweet some of my insanity there. So, uh, yeah, those are the two great places.
1: Great. Thanks, everybody. Have a good day.
2: Take care. Bye.